Hello everyone, this is Maggie for Introverted Improvisers and now for two weeks of something almost completely different to badly paraphrase Mr Monty Python. We decided with the upcoming warmer months that we should put a little bit of fire under ourselves and take a huge leap of faith and go through vocal boot camp by learning to recite and deliver some of the most famous and beautiful poems in the world with utter clarity and conviction. And boy, oh boy, do we have some treats for you. But before that, you may ask yourself, "Ah, this is improv. I just turn up and it comes out and I make it up and then I forget about it. Well, here at II, we believe Audioprov is a hugely significant part of legitimate theatre. Just because our words are improvised doesn't make it any less important. And because we are audio only, that means our natural instrument, our voice, needs to be stretched and pushed and flexed and strengthened in order to get to a place where we are delivering with confidence clarity and our meaning lands. Like that little bit I just tried to do. Well, you get the picture. We have eight fabulous chocolates in the selection box that is the I.I. Voices. We have the rich rolling velvet baritones. We have the beautiful flying high sopranos. We have sheer sensuality and we have fun and madness. All fabulous vocal performers at I.I. And we have eight very different pieces handpicked for each one of them in a 30 to 45 minute coaching session. But don't worry, you're only getting the final piece after they were put through their paces, delivering in different accents, at different speeds, in different positions around the room, I kid you not. And after thoroughly analysing what each poet was trying to say, you will hear them work on things like clarity of diction, timing, colour of the voice, and each piece will be preceded by a small introduction as to why that particular piece was chosen for that particular vocal instrument. So sit back, relax, and ladies and gentlemen, for your delectation, delight, and entertainment, here are the I.I. Voices. Hi, so the first coaching session was, well, I like to call them the two elder statesmen of I.I., Jeff and Baylor. First up is Jeff with his rollingly rich, naturally supported, resonant baritone. This is an older piece which is very much in verse style with a very strong rhythm. And because of that, it's all about the words, the style and the timing. With a poem like that, you don't make it cinematic, you just let it sing for itself. So sit back and enjoy. Jim, who ran away from his nurse and was eaten by a lion, by Hilaire Belloc. Pardon me. 
There was a boy whose name was Jim. His friends were very good to him. They gave him tea and cakes and jam and slices of delicious ham and chocolate with pink inside and little tricycles to ride. They read him stories through and through and even took him to the zoo. But there it was, the awful fate befell him, which I now relate. You know, at least you ought to know, for I have often told you so, that children never are allowed to leave their nurses in a crowd. Now this was Jim's especial foible. He ran away when he was able. And on this inauspicious day, he slipped his hand and ran away. He hadn't gone a yard when bang! With open jaws a lion sprang and hungrily began to eat the boy, beginning with his feet. Now just imagine how it feels when first your toes and then your heels and then by varying degrees your shins and ankles, calves and knees are slowly eaten bit by bit. No wonder Jim detested it. No wonder that he shouted, Aye! The honest keeper heard his cry. Though very fat, he almost ran to help the little gentleman. Ponto, he ordered as he came, for Ponto was the lion's name. Ponto, he said with an angry frown. Down, sir, let go, put it down. The lion made a sudden stop. He let the dainty morsel drop, slunk reluctant to his cage, snarling with disappointed rage. But when he bent him over, Jim, the honest keeper's eyes grew dim. The lion, having reached his head, the miserable boy was dead. When Nurse informed his parents, they were more concerned than I can say. His mother, as she dried her eyes, said, It gives me no surprise he would not do as he was told. His father, who was self-controlled, bade all the children round attend to James's miserable end, and always keep a hold of Nurse for fear of finding something worse. The end. Thank you. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Did you also picture yourself in a Victorian music hall with a very large drink? That just me? Ah, either way, I hope you enjoyed it. Sticking with the same theme of troublesome relationships between adults and children, usually their own children, we leap forward in time and also in style. And this piece, voiced by the fabulous, cavernous well of a voice owned by Mr. Baylor Evans, this theme is explored in a very different way. In the last piece, 
the location was stated. The timing is obviously Victorian, but here this is more about the theme rather than a specific boy in a specific location, such as a zoo. And because of that, we approached the coaching in a cinematic way. We were asking this wonderful performer to conjure up images, conjure up a vibe, give us a flavour, give us a mood. And because this is more of a mood piece as opposed to a highly stylized and rhythmic piece, unlike the last one, this one is underscored. And you will hear how that enhances everything. So sit back and enjoy Mr. Baylor Evans. This Be the Verse by Philip Larkin. They fuck you up, your mom and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some extra just for you. They're fucked up in their turn by fools in old style hats and coats who half the time were soppy stern and half at one another's throats. Man hands on misery to man, deepens like a coastal shelf. Get out as early as you can and don't have any kids yourself. When you are able to match a dark navy blue cavernous voice with a mood indigo, that's when you get something called magic. Wonderful. For the second set of poems, we took the most well-known voice to you at I.I., Camila, with a newer voice to many of you, Steve. And the theme we had for session two was how no man is an island and that the human condition is intrinsically linked to the greater picture and the physical world around you. Camila's voice sits in the soprano range. It is powerfully flexible and lyrical, but much lighter and much higher than Baylor's that you've just heard. We used her natural musicianship, melodious tone and sing-songy quality to scene paint the most beautiful environment and watch those wild geese take flight. Enjoy. Wild Geese by Mary Oliver You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, 
and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. How heartakingly beautiful is that? There is a natural melancholy in the way at times Camilla breathes through certain phrases. For example, wild geese, you hear the sigh and the longing, the way the words are not punched out, but breathed out. Gorgeous. Sticking with the same theme, but going right to the other end. A voice that is punched from the chest, strong and naturally very well supported. We have newcomer Steve. Steve's delivery is very different for two reasons. Unlike the all-knowing, sighing sound of Camilla, Steve's is punched from the chest and boy is it powerful and boy do we love it. There is so much character when someone has that natural strength of chest voice that we can't help but listen. And for that reason, we gave Steve a very strong character to deliver this piece in. A character that people would be drawn to. And for that reason... It was also underscored. You will know this one. Everybody kind of wanted to do this one, but you will never have heard it delivered like this. Enjoy. Ozymandias by Percy Bysshe Shelley. I met a traveler from an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half sunk a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well, those passions red which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed, and on the pedestal, these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. 
how much do we love that character and his eagerness, the sort of person you would want on your camping trip to goodness knows where. With Steve's naturally powerful and slightly higher sitting voice and his yeah, land, elongated open vowels, that paints a very strong, open-minded and accessible character that we all love to love. And this brings to an end the first session of II Voices taking huge risks in using their wit, their nous, their experience and above all, their skill to try their hand at scripted work. Some of the world's most beautiful and most loved poems. And we love each and every one for it. This week, you heard Jeff, Baylor, Camila and Steve. Until next time, bye from me. Thank you.